good morning and happy Mother's Day. And uh, I was talking to uh, a pastor just this week, and he talked about how uh, it's seeming a growing trend as he had uh, several years ago, like six moms who wouldn't come to church on Mother's Day. Now it's like 10 moms. And uh, it has a lot to do because it stirs up a lot of memories and emotions and all kinds of things. But we're so grateful that the blood of Jesus can heal us even from memories, even from memories that aren't great and good. And so anything that I say today about family and legacy and and moms and dads and anything uh, dealing with families and parenthood, just realize that from this moment backwards, you can't do anything about it. You can't do anything about your parents and you can't do anything about, uh, I know I'm probably with parents that were perfect and you did everything perfect as family, but um, for myself, you know, I didn't do everything perfect as a parent. And guess what? The grace of Jesus is good. And, and in that also is looking to the future with, with a different perspective. Even if you're a single mom or whatever has happened and going on in your life, that you can still look to the future to be a, a person that leaves a legacy. And that's what I want to talk about. I want to start in a weird spot this morning in Genesis chapter 1. Uh, thank you guys for those that prayed for me. Uh, I'm about 85, 90% there. If you don't know, I, I got Bell's palsy. So if you see me, I recognize when I spoke a couple weeks ago, there was a lot more spit that came out uh, than normal. Uh, I do spit all the time. It's always been a joke anyway, but it was just even more. And uh, it was funny, a couple weeks ago, I, I had somebody ask me, what are you going to preach on today? I said, violence. And they go, wow, that's really, so, but the ser- I, I know that there's fruit from the sermon and there's evidence because pastor went out and bought a shotgun. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> so Genesis chapter one, Genesis chapter one is a very familiar verses to us about creation. Let me just read it. New Living Translation. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the, in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry around the ground. So God created man, human beings, in his image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and govern it. Rain over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and all the animals that scurry around the ground. And so one of the things that we realize is one of the things that we talk about is um, the term that we, is the law of first mention. When God mentions something, it is the foundation that he builds on. So it's always very important when we study the Bible that when God mentions anything first, that that is the foundation. And it is amazing to me that Genesis chapter 1 is foundational to everything that we are and believe in Christianity. And it is, it is the creation chapter, if you would. And so it was in 2019, during December of, of that year, that I was praying and seeking God about what he was saying for the new year in 2020. And, and it was crazy, the Lord told me to do verse by verse of the book of Genesis. It took me six months to do. I, I hated it and I loved it. I, it was, and it, it changed my life studying the book of Genesis verse by verse. And, and so it was right before the pandemic and ended up uh, a half of the book of Genesis I taught was online. 
but anyway, uh, but I, the funny thing was, uh, I had more people listen to me do the book of Genesis than any other time in my preaching career because it was one line and, and nobody had anything else to do. So they they watch. Well, I'm going to watch this for you know. So we were. It was funny. Uh, it's just you know how God does things just to kind of validate. Uh, what you're doing, not validate me, but that you're actually hearing from the Lord, is 2020 was the best year in the 12 years that we pastored in Idaho financially that we ever had. And other churches were suffering. We had the best year, and we were getting checks from, you know, Florida, Alabama, you know, Michigan, from all over the country. Uh, and they, and not that it's about money, okay? If you, you know, I know some of you don't know me well enough to know that I don't really care about that. But But it was about that God was sustaining in the midst of that. And he was really speaking to me how important it is to go back so that we can see the future. And to go back to the book of Genesis, even to understand the end of the book in Revelation. And so this foundational verses that we just read a a minute ago, think about it in the context of the culture of the day that we live in. Number one is creation. That there is a God that he created everything that exists and that's where you must begin. If you don't see God as a creator and so much of the culture has removed God from being a creator, you know, the, the biggest, you know, faith-filled people on the planet are evolutionists because they have to have a lot of faith to believe this all happened from a boom. So creation is that God created everything. The second thing is that God then establishes gender. Isn't it crazy that we're, you know, that we're dealing with these things today that you thought like, we could never deal with where people are going to argue gender. But what, what does the enemy do? He is, he's satanic, he's antichrist, and everything that's foundational to God, he's going to come back and attack. The third thing is sexuality. He said, be fruitful, multiply. In the context of a covenant of a, of a husband and wife, there's so much we, we only got 27 minutes. Okay. And the, and the fourth thing is that they were going to be fruitful and multiply. So there was going to be a mom and the dad or a dad and mom. And so that, that is the picture of parenthood. And then finally is that when you put them all together and they, as they begin to multiply, it's something that is created there and that's called a family. Now, why is the family so important? The family institution was created and revealed by God before there was the existence of Israel, before there was the existence of the church, or anything that we consider very important institutions that are in Scripture. The most important institution that God created was family. And this is why it's so key to understand the plan of God from the very beginning. When God created man and, and, and woman and he created mankind, it was that he wanted to create a family. And he understood from the very beginning that mankind was going to fail, was going to reject God, was going to fall into sin. But he made a, he made a providence for that even before the foundation of the earth, the Lamb of God was slain. And what is so important is that he poured out his blood that now we all come under the covering of the blood of Jesus Christ and we are in the bloodline of Jesus because of our faith in Christ and the blood of Jesus and life is found in the blood and now we are all kinfolk. Those that are under the blood. That's what the pastor was singing about that this morning. Every tribe, every tongue is that picture of heaven. 
It's, isn't it amazing how on the earth the enemy does everything to divide culture, divide skin color, divide all these things, but in the context of the blood of Christ, he brings all that together as one and says, you are family. You are family. And so what we have to understand is that God gave us the precious institution of family on the earth, a mom, let's put it, a mom, a dad, and children. And, and what we have to understand is the enemy has done everything to defeat that and fight that. And let me just say, there is no shame, as Pastor was just mentioning a minute ago, or guilt, if that's been messed up in your life. Why? Because we have an enemy that's been trying to mess it up for many centuries. We go through divorces. We have single moms, single dads, all these things. And so there's no... It's, but I, I'm telling you that even though that, that has what has happened and that does exist, that wasn't the perfect plan of God. But bringing it back into the context of this is to understand that no matter what has happened in your natural family, there is a superior family that goes beyond what we see just in the natural. But that is the family of God that the moment that you accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, you came into, you were birthed into that family. You are in the family of God. It doesn't matter if you're the crazy stepped uncle. It doesn't matter if, you know, what's going on or what, you, what you've done. You know, we're all, how many got, have been to your family reunion before? There's some crazy folks in there. But they're still family, right? They're still family. I, I have, uh, since, especially since I moved back, I have a lot of people in my family. My wife just goes, oh, no. But guess what? They're family. They may be a little crazy, but they're family. And so we're all part of the family of God and that has been the intention of God to the very end. And, and from the very beginning to the very end. And when you look at the, at the way that God uses the terminology in Scripture, is you see terminology like father, son, children. You see a bride, a bridegroom, a husband, a wife. And he's talking about the mystery that's even that Jesus, what, you know, is going to marry the people of God. is going to marry the church, that we are the bride of Christ. It sounds so weird to us because we think of this being the norm or the superior and that being the inferior, but it's actually the other way around. Everything that God has taught us in understanding family in that institution on the earth is only to represent what he wants to build that will last forever and ever. You are a part of an eternal family, the family of God. And so, uh, it's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. This is in the King James. It says, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. The word household there is a Greek word that's the same word as the word family, that you're part of that household. You're part of that family. You, you weren't part of the family, but when you came to Christ, what happened is you were born again, and you were born into a family. You weren't born from here below, but you were born from above, and you now came into the family of God. And so, one of the things that we must understand is that now we have the opportunity to be representatives of the Lord in leaving a legacy on the earth through our lives, but ultimately to reflect his life. And this is what I, and I know I prefaced this before a moment ago, but let me just say this again. You can't do anything about what's behind you. 
Because you might be sitting there and say, yes, you know, preacher, but I've messed up and my family was, you don't know the jacked up family I came from and you don't know about, you know, what, what has happened. You don't know what, in you know, my divorce I went through. All of those things, yes, they are under the blood. You can't do anything about it in, in, that's behind you. But you can begin to have a different perspective of the rest of your life that you're going to leave a legacy for the Lord. And you're going to leave that even among those that you have the opportunity on the earth to call family. One of the things that we see in Scripture that is very, very difficult sometimes for people to comprehend because we are so individually minded, but God is family minded. He is so family minded that, that the, the expressions and the gifts and even the good and even the bad of the family can flow down. We see in the scripture this very clearly in Exodus 20, and then I believe it's Deuteronomy chapter 5, where it talks about the iniquity of the father is passed down to the third to fourth generation. Now, what does that mean? That means there can be a, a negative thing. And, you know, some of you that remember back in cleansing stream days, we, we, we talked about generational curses, that that came upon our lives. It came from our. It's not you know. A lot of times when we when that is something that is uh, seen in scripture and then even seen in the natural, we try to deny it. But if you look in scripture, you see those things passed down from generation to generation. Uh, it it very it's very apparent to me if you study it out that Jesse probably had King David out of wedlock. He was probably that's why he didn't get brought with the other sons to say who the king was. Then David had his own problems, sexuality problems and adultery problems. And then he passed it down to Solomon, which was the great, you know, the, or the, you know, the great grand, uh, or the grandson of David. How many know he had some problems? He had, was it 300 wives and 700 concubines? How many know there's some problems there in that house? So what, what do I say? I'm saying there's a generational thing that got passed down. And, and, and from that, there became fruit of that. Well, one of the things that we learned in Cleansing Stream, and years ago we did this, is that we, we looked at the generational curses that were coming down in our lives like a muddy river, like a muddy stream that's flowing down. And we would turn around and we'd say, we build a holy dam. And that the things from my generational past that are, you know, sinful, negative, curses. We stopped up. How many know you can make a transition that could be a curse that's come down generational, generational in your family line that you can stop it with your generation so it doesn't have to pass on to the next generation? And that you see a generational blessing happen. Now, one of the things, uh, both my mom and dad's side of the family, their mom and dad weren't necessarily Christians when they grew up. My mom was just telling me this morning on the way to church how that she would round the rest of her uh, siblings up or a, a lot of her siblings up so they could, you know, meet the bus to, to go down and go to church. And it, it's still there. It's in a, a Pentecostal church that's in Preston County called Irona Chapel or Irona Church. And, and she, but what she did not understand because she was just a young young girl but she was one that was changing the generation many of those kids uh, my uncles and aunts and even her mom later came to, to know the Lord and so one person made a change in that family and let me say you can make a change in your family you can say our family you know I hear people say all the time my family are nothing but alcoholics well guess what you can make a change in your family 
And that you not only will be a person that will change, but you can be an instrument that can bring change throughout the rest of your family. If you look at that and understand that God can bring generational blessings where there were generational curses. Why? Because Jesus Christ broke the curse for us. And it's just us being proactive and being a part of that. And so one of the things that we have to understand, if we're going to leave a legacy, it has to be that we are sharing the truth of God's word at every day of our life, and it becomes intentional. Say intentional. Anybody remember that word? <laughs> we spent a month on it. Okay, forgot. It. But, uh, but that we become intentional. Let me just give you some verses that really struck my heart. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the, the road, when you lie down and when you get up. What is he saying? He, he's saying everywhere you go, don't matter. It's not just for church. The primary responsibility of children to be trained in the word of God is not the youth pastor or the children's church worker. That's just a, an additive. The word of God has to come through mom and dad and flow into the family. You say, well, we didn't do that. Well, guess what? It's a new day. You can do it. You can change that. And when do you talk about the Lord? All the time. All the time. There's a lot of people that, that I, I build relationships with them for a long time before I lower the boom of on them now, I'm just kidding. But it, it, before, a lot of times Christians want to want it real easy. Like, let me tell you about salvation. Get saved today. And they want to go, got another one saved. Sometimes it's taken me three or four years to get somebody to, to come to a point they're willing to give their life to the Lord. Sometimes it still hasn't happened, you know. But what do I mean? It takes time. But what is representing Christ everywhere you go, it's here. When you lay down, when you get up, when you go. It, it, one verse that said, when you sit down to eat, everything in your life, you're sharing and you're being an example of the Lord. Uh, here's one, Proverbs 22, verse 6. Direct, direct your children onto the right path, and when they're older, they will not leave it. Um, Proverbs 13, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children, children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. And one of the things that I was thinking about when you're studying and looking at the word legacy, that a lot of times legacy is only about money. How many know that it's not about just money? That leaving a legacy is what you, you left as an example and this is something that's been imprinted in my mind because I don't know about you, but I've had seasons in my life where I felt very prone to be stupid. I don't know about you. And, and, and some, this, the Lord always brought me back to this, that one stupid thing can change legacy. Now, it doesn't mean you're gone forever and you can't come back to it, but there is still something that's taken away from that decision, especially when it means departing the Lord and doing stuff that is going to be um, detrimental to your children and to others. Deuteronomy 11, verse 19, you shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you are sitting in your house, when you're walking by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. Now, I want to just kind of do something real simple here, is, you know, just a, a picture of legacy and how, what that means in our lives. So first of all, most of you know that I grew up as a pastor's kid in a pastor's home. About four or five years ago, I, I was uh, struggling to do, because I, I'm, I'm, I don't like theme sermons. Like, I, like I, I'm, I've gotten a lot better in the last few years. The Lord's tried to make me <laughs> appreciative of it. But 
Like, I, I, I want to get Christmas over. I, I'm the opposite of pastor, okay? I want Christmas over. I want, you know, I, I, I like to just not be in the theme of a holiday. And so I was approaching Mother's Day, and we were praying about it, and um, about what, what I should do, what I should speak. And one of my administrative ladies on staff at our church just flippantly came up and said, why don't you tell us the top 10 things you learned from your mom? And, I, and so, and the Lord just really dealt with me that week and did a great thing in my heart. And, you know, a lot of times, I, I, when I did this sermon in Idaho, it's 2,500 miles away from home, I gave a lot more details to the story. I'm not going to give all those details this close to home and with mama sitting in the room, okay? <laughs> I'll be a little less detailed. But, uh, you know, I grew up in pastor's home. Definitely, we, you know, everything wasn't perfect. We went through some real struggles different times. But I got kind of towards the end of my high school years, and, and I, you know, I became the, unfortunately, the proverbial pastor's kid. Now, you know, I don't know if you, some of you know, like, the, the worst kid in town is the preacher's kid. Yeah, that's kind of like what happened. So anyway, and, and it all led up to uh, when I was 19 years old, and I've never, you know, shared this here, but when I was 19 years old, I got caught with about a quarter pound of pot in the car by a state trooper. <laughs> Not a great day. <laughs> I, I was laying on, uh, down, if some of you know where Cheat River is, I was on the road on Cheat River, literally with the state trooper's boot in the center of my back because I'm laying flat on the, on the ground. But, um, and so it was funny. Um, no, it wasn't funny at the time. But anyway, it was kind of ironic how the Lord uses the prayers of your parents to kind of pull you, put you in a corner to where you don't have a lot of options on the way out. I grew up, uh, my dad was an Assembly of God pastor, and some of you know that, forgive my voice, but among the Assemblies of God church, they have a magazine called Evangel, Evangel Magazine. Well, I get taken to the Preston County Jail, put in the, in the, uh, put in the, you know, in the cell, and I go over to get on the bunk, not, not my happiest day, and there is an evangel laying on the bed of the, of the, in the cell. It's already Christ open to the center. And it, it says, the title of the, of the article was, Preacher's Kid Goes Bad. <laughs> okay. Somebody. So, that was in the month of May on Memorial Day weekend in 1990. So exactly 33 years ago in two weeks. And that led the process from one thing to another to leaving there, getting my life right with the Lord. It was um, uh, probably about 18 months later, I preached my first sermon. And then I left and went to Bible school. And then in 1992, I married Nicole, that you guys know. And last weekend, we weren't here at church. We were celebrating our 31st anniversary. And though, the, th the thing I want, I, you know, because I'm not trying to highlight just me. I want you to see the redemptive work of the Lord. Because a lot of people, you, you look at me and you're going like, yeah, you've always, yeah. No, you, <laughs> no I haven't, haven't had it together all the time. But this is the message I preached five years ago. And I'll do it in three minutes. These are the 10 things that I learned from my mother 
proof I was listening at least occasionally. And she probably is going to go like, I didn't know I taught, taught him that. But it's not just words, it's watching the life. Number one, uh, or Proverbs chapter 4, verse 5 through 7, get wisdom, get understanding. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, though it costs you all you have, get understanding. Let me buzz through the 10. I won't read the verses. You, no, I got three minutes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. Number one, forgiveness is required for your healing. Number two, pray and then pray some more and then pray in tongues. Three, just be patient. It brings maturity. Four, trust God at all times through all things. Five, loving people reveals Jesus best. Six, God can truly heal your heart if you let Him. Seven, be generous to those in need. Eight, if you, if you succeed in ministry and fail in your marriage, then you have failed. Nine, love your kids through stupid, I did. <laughs> Number ten, leave it better than... When you leave, then how you found it. Lord, we just thank you for legacy. And I, I just pray, Lord, for everyone in the sound of my voice today. They may feel like they failed and we all have failed. And, and they may even look at their own family they grew up in and feel like they don't have a legacy. But God, we're so grateful that our legacy ultimately comes from being part of the family of God. And we can do nothing about what's behind us, but we can do everything about what's in front of us. Let us make a decision today, even when it's hard, even when it's difficult, that we're going to do the things that leaves a legacy on this earth that reflects the beauty of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Would you uh, continue in that spirit? Just close your eyes and lift your heads if you would. I want to say that uh, Paul the Apostle was given this call to be a reconciler and an ambassador of Jesus. And he said uh, that God was in Christ God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not imputing their trespasses against them how can he say that because Jesus took all of your sin and all of my sin and the sin of the entire world the Bible says very specifically he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ so for every person in the entire world Jesus Christ has taken the burden and the debt and the weight of your sin 
and it's been put on Jesus Christ and it's been paid for. That's done. But who believes it? I'm here to say today, people do not go to hell because of sin. They go to hell because of unbelief. Here's the thing. God says, I've already taken all your sin and put it on Christ. That's the first step. Do you know what the second step is? He's taken your F report card and he's put it on Jesus. But we're not done yet. He wants to take the A plus report card of Jesus and put it on you. And that's what believing in Jesus does. When you believe in Jesus Christ, God's righteousness becomes yours. And that's how you enter heaven. That's how you enter heaven. Not of works, lest any man should boast. It is all purely a gift from God that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Made it very, very simple. You can feel convicted of all the sins, but here's the beautiful thing. You become amazed at how deeply God loves you in the midst of it. So he made it simple. He said, if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, the mouth says it, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Something powerful in the confession of Jesus as Lord and believing in your heart. Would you close your eyes with me? Just lift up your heads and let's just declare that together. I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. Thank you for rising from the dead. And now I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I receive Jesus in my heart now, in my life, and I praise you for that. Now let's just rejoice. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Because that is the first step of leaving the less legacy that Todd preached about. That's the first step. Let's just go ahead and just for another moment or two, let's praise the Lord together. Let a holy murmur of just gratitude rise up. I feel like too, the Lord just wants to release blessing over your family today. Let's just praise Him for that. Say, Lord, thank you for covering this day with the blessing of the Lord, working in us what is well-pleasing in your sight to the glory of God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.